this is Pentecost Sunday. Can you imagine what it was like when they were gathered in the room not knowing exactly what happened and the Holy Spirit came and changed the world forever? Happy birthday, church. Today we continue in our series on worship and prayer is worship is what I'm going to speak about today. I grew up in a praying home and a praying church. My family prayed at meals and every night before bedtime. We prayed a lot. We also prayed a lot in the church I grew up in. We prayed a lot and we prayed very loudly. I remember my first thoughts as a little child sitting there in the pews is that surely God must be hard of hearing (laughs) because the minister would pray very loud and he would pray very long. And it reminded me of when I visited my Aunt Rena. I would have to yell in her ear because she was very hard of hearing. I also wondered why he kept repeating himself. I thought, well, God must not understand, or the pastor wanted to make sure he understood and would answer his prayers. And I grew up in southern Louisiana, and most of my friends were Catholic, so I took a chance and asked my best friend, what, why do you use rosary beads when you pray? And she said, well, she was a child too, she said, well, then I can make sure I've said all my prayers, and I can also know when I'm finished. So I thought, maybe I should buy my pastor rosary beads. But then I thought better of it. Anyway, early on, I learned prayer was very important, and it was an important part of worship. What is the reason for prayer? Prayer is communication. It's to communication with God, and it's designed to build a relationship. Prayer is listening as well as speaking. Think about human relationships. If you have a friend and all they do is talk and never listen, it's not much of a relationship. God not only listens, but he communicates, and he wants to communicate and build a relationship with each of us. We need to know God more than we need the answers to our prayers. The disciples, being with Jesus a lot, wanted to pray like Jesus prayed. They heard something different. The people of their day prayed in a different way than Jesus did. Jesus was very intimate with his Father when he prayed. And so the disciples asked him, Teach us to pray, Jesus. And the scripture today is the answer to their prayer. But before he taught them how to pray, he taught them how not to pray. He said, don't be like the hypocrites standing on the street corners, standing in the public places, and being a big show. He challenged them to be authentic, to be real, to be honest with God and not to make prayer a show of how good they were, of how religious they were, or that they were better than everyone else. And he challenged us all to come humbly before him, focus on him, 
And when we start to pray, remember how much he loves us. As you know, he gave his disciples a model prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. He gave us that prayer. And it really covers everything that we could ever want to say or ask of him. And I didn't realize until I prepared this message that we follow that prayer of adoration, prayers of confession, prayers of supplication or intercession. They're all part of the Lord's Prayer and how he taught us to pray. And so I got very excited about that. I'm sure other people have discovered that, but I rediscovered it this week. So I'd like to follow that model this morning and just talk about each of those for a little while. Prayers of adoration. Jesus starts with those familiar words, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This was revolutionary way to address God. He, it was a very intimate way. Jewish children in those days used the word that Jesus used to address his father. It was Abba. Our equivalent would be Daddy. And Jesus was saying, God is not distant. He's not angry. He's not remote. He's not uncaring. He's not negligent. He's very personal, loving, and wants to be involved in the lives of his children. Philip Yancey, in his great book on prayer, it's called Prayer, writes that we often forget when we pray that God cares and that he wants the very best for us. Forgetting that and often feeling guilty and unworthy, we plead with God uh, as if hoping to change his mind and overcome some reluctance to give us what we want. Yancey challenges when we pray, flip that around. Start with knowing how much God cares for you and how much he wants to give you the very best. He wants to bless us. He wants to comfort us. He wants to pour his grace and mercy from the top down upon us as we pray from heaven to earth. When we make that shift and begin to pray, knowing that God does wants to get, want to God wants to give us the very best and that he cares about our uncle's cancer he cares about world peace he cares about our relationships our broken family our rebellious teenager whatever he cares about when we start to pray like that then grace just like a river flows down from heaven into our hearts, from God's heart to our hearts. Streams of mercy flows. And some of you might struggle with the concept of God being a father because of your own dad. Not everyone on earth has had a good dad. You might say, my dad ignored me most of the time. He, he said he loved me, but I didn't see very much of that. Some could say he abused me or left me or even beat me. Or he doesn't call me or contact me much anymore. And so you think about father. It's not something that's pleasant. But I say, don't judge God by your earthly father. Judge your earthly father by God. He sets the standard, not your own dad. Your dad may have been a disappointment, but God is a wonderful 
father, even if your dad was not. An illustration, I think, of how we often see God comes from Fiddler on the Roof. Tavi was on his horse going down the road, and uh, his horse became lame. And he was very frustrated and unhappy and inconvenienced. So he, he stood by the side of the road, and he said, God, I don't understand you. I know why you punish me, because I'm bad. I know why you punish my wife, because she talks too much. And I know why you punish my daughter, because she's going off to marry a Gentile. But what have you got against my horse? And, and I think some of us pray that way and feel that way when bad things happen. And we should remember God is a loving God. We can praise him. We can interrupt him. And we can make requests of him. He's our friend, and he's on our side. He hears us, and he answers our prayers. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, and many times it's wait. Our God, our Father, think about that, feel that. God is our Father. His name is worthy of praise. He's sovereign, he rules, he reigns. He reigns over nations, kingdoms, all places and people. When we pray, we're talking to the man in control. In that kingdom, we respect and reverence our Father. In his kingdom, all races are reconciled. In that kingdom, there is peace. And in that kingdom, the oppressed get justice. The hungry get fed, the marginalized get respected, and the sick get healed. And the story's not finished yet. Our prayers of praise are reminders that he's worthy of praise. He's worthy of adoration for what he's done, what he is doing, and what he will do. He is our all-powerful, loving Father. That is the spirit of our prayer of our adoration and praise. And then we know we go to prayers of confession or as the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts. So confession is also taught there. And most of us are keenly aware of debts. And if we're not, we get reminders every month of our financial debt. We get something in the mail that reminds me, uh, reminds all of us that we owe someone, right? Credit card bills, college tuition bills, mortgage bills, taxes, other bills. And that reminds us that we have a spiritual debt. We're in debt to God big time. But the difference is that Christ paid our debt. He paid it with his life. And we're not held captive to any of the things that we have done. He paid our debt once and for all, forever. Think about that. He paid our debt, gave us salvation, and he continually forgives us. That's truly amazing. We don't ever have to pay God back, and we call it grace, and that means that we don't deserve it. But then he asks us to forgive our debtors. Oh, that's a little harder. 
He said, let it go. When someone who hurts you, does wrong to you, let it go. We can struggle with that one. God knows how difficult this is. And forgiving does not mean that we forget or ever diminish the hurt and the wrong that has happened when we've been wronged. It simply means I give up my right for vengeance and justice. I leave it in God's hands. He'll take care of me. That often takes time. I remember once I was hurt very badly, and I didn't want to hear about the word forgiveness. And I couldn't think about it. And I didn't think I'd ever, ever, as much as I knew it was right, be able to do that. So I was honest with God. I just said, God, I don't want to forgive. I don't feel like forgiving. I don't even think I'm capable. But I ask you to work in my heart because I know that pleases you, and that's what I'm supposed to do. So I just prayed like that. And then, amazingly, one day I checked my resentment meter, and it was normal. And I knew that I didn't do that. I knew that I was incapable of that. And it was easy to praise and adore God in that moment because I prayed an honest prayer before God, asked him for help, and he answered. And he wants us to forgive, not just because he told us, but it's good for our own mental health. If we refuse to forgive, we will all have bitterness and resentment and become a very unpleasant, unhappy, and unlovely person. And that's why God said, forgive. And that's how confession works. It sets us free to live the abundant life. Then the next part of is we have adoration and confession. Then we have supplication. And it has a lot of phrases in that one. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. He's saying pray that we can make the kingdom become visible through us that day on earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So it's not only what we do that day that's right, but it's also how we pray. Your kingdom come through me today, and your will be done. Now that's a little harder. Remember what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was very human. He said to God, I don't want to go this way. I don't want to do this. If there's another way, I'll take it. And he ended the prayer after he prayed several times. Nevertheless, your will be done. Think what would have happened if he hadn't prayed that prayer. If he had not aligned his will with God's will and God's desires, we wouldn't be here. He wouldn't have died. We wouldn't have salvation. Are you able to trust God enough to say when you pray, nevertheless, God, I think this is good. I would like this. You're my father. I know you love me. I know you have the very best for me. I really want this. But whatever is your will, I can accept. It's okay. God, you know best. Father, you know best, and I will accept that. Two weeks ago, out on this lawn, some kids found a little baby squirrel. 
And uh, they called me because uh, I love animals, and I'm a former rehabber of wildlife. And so I went out to see, to protect the children, and also to see what was going on with that baby squirrel. He shouldn't be out there on the lawn. And I looked at him, and he crawled over to me, barely able to crawl. He was dehydrated. He was helpless. I picked him up and pinched his little tummy, and the folds just stayed together. He was so dehydrated, and his eyes were dull. So I took him inside, and, and then eventually, after the services, I took him home. And he saw me as a very uncaring person because the first thing I did was give him a bath because he was full of parasites. And, and then I put him in a cat carrier after I had fed him. And he saw that cat carrier as a prison, and he just wanted out. And in his world, I restricted all of his freedom. I kept all the good things that he loved from him except a little food. I cleaned him up, I kept him from a horrible death, and gave him a new chance in my world. But he didn't see that. He still doesn't see it. He's now whole and living in my backyard, climbing up and down a tree, and he only comes home for dinner and breakfast each day. Uh, Or he comes and looks at me when the other squirrels chase him. He'll never understand what I gave him. And, you know, it's that way with us, too. That little squirrel's name is Ranger. And it wasn't Ranger's will, but mine. Not my will, but God's will, even when we, like Ranger, can't understand it. And then the next thing Jesus says in the prayer is, pray for our physical needs, pray for our daily bread. Well, most of us, have too much daily bread, and we have to pray not to eat eat so much. But notice, he didn't say, uh, give me my daily bread. He said, give us our daily bread. And it's a good reminder that we should pray for those in the world that do not have enough bread. Much of the world goes to bed very hungry, and we should pray for them. It's not the whole language of the Lord's Prayer. It's not I, but it's, and it's not me and my. It's ours and we, because we're part of a kingdom. We're part of a community of faith, and we're to pray for each other in that kingdom. This is the continual language of that prayer. Um, and then the Lord's Prayer ends up with Jesus reminding of something that we live in a fallen world, and it's so easy to get off track. There are two kingdoms at war in our world. There's darkness, and there's light. There's Satan, and there's God. There's lies, and there's truth. There's sin, and there's goodness. There's disobedience, and there is obedience. The enemy of our souls is at work to get us off track. He is after us. And Jesus reminds us of that and that we need to pray about that. And remember who you are and remember you belong to the Father. And Jesus prays for us and we are to pray for each other and we're to be aware 
of who we are and that we are really called and empowered. Today's Pentecost Sunday to make his kingdom visible and to not get sidetracked by the enemy of our souls. And then if you notice, when we say the Lord's Prayer, we go back to adoration where we all started. Thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. Thine is the glory forever and ever. And so as we pray the Lord's Prayer, remember it was Jesus who taught us how to worship, and prayer is worship. Let's pray. Jesus, we do adore you. We worship you. You're a mighty God. You've given us mighty gifts, the Holy Spirit, and everything we need to live in this world. Oh, Jesus, may we never doubt that you love us and that you give us the very best. And we thank you and you praise you. Be with all who come to worship today, and we thank you for Memorial Day. And may we remember what that is all about and pray for our country and those who are protecting us and never, ever take it for granted. It's also a gift from you. In your name we pray. Amen.